Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, it's Luke and Pete here. And today, we wanted to bring you a very special treat and introduce you to one of our newest shows from the Stack Universe. That's right. Yeah. Pete and I... Pete and I... Think You'll Love Eureka, our brand new podcast that gets under the skin of science... Eureka! In a good way, as Rick would say, <laughs> with the questions that really matter. I guess with science, you have to be very specific. I mean, that's very much one of the building blocks of yeah. science. Um, Don't get under my skin. I, th- I know you've got the capacity <laughs> to do so, could you scientist. Lit- in a scientific environment, it could be literal. Exactly. Um, I like that Rick, who I believe to be, with the respect of everyone else we've got here, my right. personal belief is that Rick is the best presenter oh. out there. Okay. Uh, right. And he always, and a great example of that is that he does that intro the same, it's the same intro, basically, but yeah. he does it so differently every single time yeah, okay. and we're up to episode about 20 now and it's, every, it's different every time it's very very good well every Wednesday science enthusiast uh, Rick Edwards and actual real life scientist Dr Michael Brooks oh we'll get under your skin yeah. they dissect uh, some of the universe's most puzzling questions with the help of world leading experts absolutely so if, if you guys have ever been annoyed that Pete won't let me talk about alien invasions mm. on the Luke and Pete show because I know you're not good at it Rick and, <laughs> that is fair actually Rick and the good Dr Michael Brooks yeah. they're good at it so, that, so actually I'm, there's a script here but I'm not going to read it well, I'm going to say is, if you don't like my amateurish ideas around alien invasions, why not download a proper show and listen to actual experts like Rick and Michael with experts on top of that to to listen to what could actually happen? It's a big uh, Madeira cake with different layers of, uh, of expertise. An angel cake. An angel cake. You've picked a Madeira cake, which is basically the only the cake same with no thing, layers yeah, at all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, that's why I'm not a scientist. <laughs> so, yeah, all that so sounds... catch Pete on the Great British Baker <laughs> from Monday. <laughs> well, have a listen to this recent episode of Eureka entitled, Should We Fear an Alien Invasion? And if you like it, make sure you search for Eureka on your podcast app to subscribe. Give it a listen now. Yep. And make sure you enjoy it. Let us know what you think, but do give it a subscribe. We think you'll love it. We absolutely think it's fantastic. The truth is out there. I've added it. I've added a marimba beat to it that didn't need it. Scully! Scully! I've not I've got my knob chopped in an alien! <laughs> Seriously though, do listen to Eureka and hit subscribe now. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science in a good way, as we invite a new expert every week to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions, as decided, obviously, by us. Isaac Asimov once said the most exciting phrase in science is not Eureka, but that's funny. 
respectfully, we think you can have a bit of both. I'm Rick Edwards, joined as ever by my, um, what are we calling you these days? We're not saying sidekick, that's for sure. I think sidekick works. Informer? You're not getting co-host. <laughs> I'll tell you that, that, that's a deal breaker. No way are you getting co-host. Well, it's sidekick. get on Sorry. with it. Just get on with it. <laughs> All right. Dr. Michael Brooks, not a real doctor. This week, it is your turn to lead. I set you quite a good question. And there's a bit of context here as well. Like, it's kind of relevant, isn't it? Yeah, it is relevant. So you, you said to me, basically, should we fear an alien invasion? Yes, cheery stuff. Which is a good question. And it turns out, actually, this year is the 50th anniversary of NASA first sending a message into space. Basically, like a greetings card from the human race. Yeah. Uh, they went on Pioneer 10 in March 1972. The golden record. No, no, no. That was later. So that was on oh, the Voyager was ones. So this was this was not quite gold. It was gold anodized aluminium, and it was just okay. a plaque on the on placed on board oh, yeah, Pioneer yeah, yeah, Ten. Yeah. So just like a card, like a Hallmark card. Yeah, kind of made like, out of metal. Made out of metal, and with a picture of like a, a man waving naked, obviously naked man mm-hmm. waving mm-hmm. Uh, next to a woman who's not waving. Um, neither of them have any pubic naked. hair, which. Yeah, naked, but no pubic hair. Uh-huh. It's 1970s. That's quite advanced, isn't it? That's quite weird in a way. <laughs> it does feel like it. I mean, he's you got he's got a penis. Like joy of sex. She hasn't got a vagina, so <laughs> obviously that was considered a step too far. Quite confusing stuff for the aliens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what they're going to make of that, to be honest. But it basically said uh, it had a sort of pictogram yeah. of where this message came from in the solar system. Oh, so sort of third rock from the sun. Yeah, that kind of yeah, thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so that was fifty years ago now. It's very. I tell you what's great about that is someone sitting down and thinking: Are we a hundred percent sure that a wave will translate? <laughs> is that definitely friendly? Well, I like the like, idea that somebody yep. thought about it because I, I wonder if they did. Of course, they they must have done. They must have thought: Does that look in any way aggressive? Well, not to us, but I mean, no way of knowing. Yeah, because if you like smile at a chimpanzee, that's aggressive, isn't it? Yeah. So it's very risky business sending <laughs> messages to uh, well, I mean, aliens that, that may or may not that exist. That is what we're talking about. <laughs> the more we learn about the universe, the harder it is to believe we're alone. It's a story that's truly out of this world. Navy ships and pilots capturing images about their experiences with what they claim are UFOs. Whether they're little green men or not, it's becoming increasingly accepted by scientists that there is likely to be life beyond planet Earth. So if aliens do exist, how likely are they to pay us a visit? And if they do, what can we expect? It would be handy to know if they dine on human flesh beforehand. Today we're discussing extraterrestrials, space waste and the incredible phenomena of Oumuamua, the first known interstellar object detected passing through our solar system. We're also asking whether we should be sending out signals to communicate with aliens, what the global protocol is if we're invaded, and most importantly, we're going to be posing this week's question to our expert, Avi Loeb. Should we fear an alien invasion? So um, this is our sort of absolutely timeless question. Should we fear an alien invasion? And who have we got as our expert this week? Uh, legend, uh, total legend, Obviously. in fact. Professor Avi Loeb, who is the Frank B. Baird Jr. Professor of Science at Harvard University. Right, one more time, because I enjoy <laughs> you saying it, struggling through the words. <laughs> Avi Loeb, the Frank B. Baird Jr. Professor of Science at Harvard University. Presumably he's not junior professor of science. He's the junior, I think, is we attached to We wouldn't have a junior Frank, professor of science Frank B. Baird Jr. Professor of Science. 
just to make that clear. Oh, sorry, are you going to read it one more time? Then? <laughs> no, I'm not. Inflection. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we we kicked off um, asking him to sort of basically set the scene. Obviously, if you're going to worry about aliens, you need to know well whether there's any aliens out there. Uh, is that likely? How do we find them? Um, and should we be telling them how to find us? Third rock from the sun, everyone. We now know that uh, about half of the stars, uh, like the Sun, have a planet the size of the Earth roughly at the same separation. And if you arrange for similar circumstances, you might as well get similar outcomes. So technological civilizations could be quite common. But that doesn't mean that uh, most of them are available for us to communicate with because most stars formed billions of years before the Sun and they could have had technological civilizations that predated us by billions of years. We cannot have a phone conversation with the Mayans. The Mayan culture is gone, but we can find traces for it in archaeological sites. And in much the same way, we can look for relics from technological civilizations in space. Uh, Sort of like searching for plastic bottles on the beach. Most of the time you see rocks that are naturally produced, but every now and then there is a plastic bottle that indicates a civilization is around. When you enter into a room full of strangers, it's prudent to stay quiet and listen rather than speak out because uh, you never know if there there is a predator in the room that uh, might pose a risk uh, to your existence. And so, Unfortunately, we've been speaking out for a while now, for more than a century, we've been sending radio waves into space. And if there is anyone within a hundred light years that has the radio telescopes that we possess, then they may be aware of us already. It may take some decades or perhaps centuries before we hear back, but it would have been better if we didn't speak at all. Now, here's what I think about that. I take his point that you don't necessarily want to be broadcasting your location to uh, a furious alien race who are looking for planets to try and conquer and subsume. Fine. However, inadvertently, we're sending out those signals anyway just by dint of the fact that we have TV and radio. Yeah, by being a civilization. Yeah, but by being a technological civilization... That means that you you send out signals, not not coded specifically for aliens, obviously, but they're going out there. Yeah. So you can't really help it. So whether you're sending a specific message or not is kind of irrelevant, isn't it? It kind of is. I mean, we we haven't thought through the implications of it very well. And by the way, I worry about the kind of parties that he goes to when he walks into a room and thinks, now. Is there a predator? (laughs) I mean, maybe that says something about parties at Harvard. I don't know. But um, (laughs) I've never walked into a room and thought, I'll just just wait and see if there's any any predators here. See if anyone gets eaten uh, (laughs) in the next sort of half an hour. But Um, basically what he's saying is we probably could have, should have, kept our mouths shut like we're the the worst predators ever you know given that we've all evolved probably by the same kinds Mm. of rules Mm. and it's sort of you know evolution red in tooth and claw we've really set ourselves up as the kind of rabbits of this whole thing haven't we but do you not think 
all the others probably would have done a similar thing because at the point when we're we developing know, radio, we? if you assume that all yeah, yeah, civilizations I mean, are going to go through something like that and be broadcasting some kind of electromagnetic um, waves with information, which yeah. I think you would. That that seems yeah, fair, doesn't yeah. it? But at the point you do that, I don't know if you're thinking that much about alien civilizations like yeah. what's going on on other planets that's I think true maybe inevitable that's that you just do it and then later on you're like fuck <laughs> <laughs> especially when you realize that other civilizations might be much much more advanced than ours is right now so but anyway we'll get into mm. that the point yeah. is it's kind of a bit late now yes. uh, we've yeah, done exactly. it um exactly. yeah. and and we pr- maybe should get a sense of the risk by and and i mean obviously you want to do that by maybe going and looking, but that's a big long shot. Space so, is hard. It's too far, isn't it? It's too, it's too far. Big. It's too yeah, big. Yeah, I mean, we don't do much with people in space and aliens is basically a needle in a haystack sort of situation. There's yeah. nothing in any reachable distance. So we're fairly sure that our solar system is devoid of intelligent life apart from us. Yeah. Uh, and the nearest star that we've got is Proxima Centauri, 4.25 light years away. Yeah. So that's a long way. We're never going there. Not with the technology that we've got, oh, anyway. Are we going to talk about generation chips? Well, no, we're not. Not okay, now. Okay. All no. Right. All right. No. Fine. But, I mean, effectively, you know, we've got to look for signs of technology. Like, you know, what we've sent out, yeah. presumably yeah. we can look for things that other people have sent out. So. Or, or or something um, like the, the... I liked the plastic bottle analogy on, on the beach. Like, spotting something in space, we're like, hold on. That yeah. ha- that's not naturally occurring. Yeah. Something's made yeah. that. Yeah. That'd be quite good. Yeah. Not easy to spot. No, no, obviously not easy. But I mean, you know, we could you know, we do look at other atmospheres of sort of distant exoplanets. We look at you know, and we look for signals. So we've got this uh, project called the Breakthrough Listen project, uh-huh. basically, which uh I think in twenty twenty it saw a signal that it thought might have been an alien signal. That was the first signal. It's sort of listening with this vast sort of radio telescope. And actually, it turned out not to be. It was the, When they analysed it and worked out, they probably mm-hmm. said they said it's probably of terrestrial origin and just sort of, you know, some kind of resonance or echoes sort of from something. Right. You know, we had the wow. Bit of excitement, sig- though. The wow. We had the classic. wow signal yeah. in 1977, yeah. which has n- never been explained. And actually, that was um, so. That was just one blip, basically picked mm. up by the Big Ear Telescope in Ohio, mm. um, August the fifteenth, nineteen seventy-seven, the day before Elvis died. So you know, maybe coincidence. I don't think so. I, mean, I was going to say yes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, it was a call the- to go home, wasn't it? And is it called? Uh, it's um, called the Wow Signal because uh, they wrote Wow. Yeah, on, Jerry on, on Amon, the, the guy, the guy yeah. who was operating it, yeah. wrote Wow on the printout. Yeah, so um, yeah, but it never been explained. It came from the region of Sagittarius, mm. and you know it was just one blip, never mm. repeated. So it's not really anything much to go on. Funny and basically, to, funny actually to think that that's an alien civilization are a bit smarter than us, and they've accidentally done it, and are like, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we don't we don't really know. I mean, you know, we're we're in a position where, like you say, it's more likely. Experts think it's more likely we'll find evidence associated with extraterrestrial life than the actual signals of the life mm. itself. Mm. And um, so our, Avi basically says, don't bother looking for actual life. Look for the litter. Yeah, okay. In my view, um, a very advanced civilization would uh, potentially close itself off. Uh, I call it social distancing on a cosmic scale. Uh, they would create... Uh, 
a cocoon uh, inside of which they have everything they need. And uh, being in contact with a lower level civilization would only degrade their quality of life. But that doesn't mean that uh, we will not be able to find uh, more about them because uh, they still have to throw their trash. And just like investigative journalists in Hollywood that search through the trash cans of uh, celebrities in order to find about their private lives, we could learn about those civilizations from searching for their trash in space. Most likely, the objects that will travel the distance will be pieces of equipment because they could survive for millions or billions of years. Uh, uh, biological creatures uh, face uh, a lot of uh, hazards in space. There are cosmic rays that can damage any living cell. And by the way, this is a major health concern for going to Mars. Uh, we will need to protect ourselves if we want to establish uh, a sustainable base there. And uh, my sense is that um, just like plastic bottles on a beach that uh, keep accumulating over time, uh, we would find first evidence for technological equipment that was deposited in space uh, that is billions of years old, probably not functional anymore. And uh, we will see that before we can uh, actually get in, in contact with living creatures out there. So the, the best thing for us, if we're trying to think about, you know, will we spot an alien civilization, is to think, well, will they spot us? Like, what could they see mm. that we've left around that they would pick up on. And that sort of gives us a clue. So like old satellites and old stuff Old satellites, like, like massive amounts of, of space junk, basically. Um, I mean, but, you have to get quite close to see it. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, does, does any of our space junk end up just sort of drifting off? Not really. It's all no, kind of orbiting, isn't no, it? No, so, I mean, we've got massive amounts of stuff. There's, NASA says there's 23,000 pieces of debris sort of in orbit that are sort of the size of a softball or larger. So, okay. you know, it's sort of... What's size that? of a softball is that cricket ball how is big that, is a softball I don't know, a bit bigger than a cricket ball I would say you're leading this British episode side. mate how big is a softball <laughs> don't just say the size of a softball anyway the, the point is there's stuff orbiting around us but we've you know we've gone up to the moon and left stuff on there do you mm. know how much stuff we've left on the moon kilograms Ooh, have, have, a, have a guess uh, so I guess we've let, left quite a few so we haven't brought back so I mean I'm going to say like several tonnes 187,000 kilograms. What? 187 tons of stuff on wow. the moon. Oh, I was going to sort of say like 10. 187 tons. It's mad, isn't it? So um, the energy to get it up there. Yeah, oh, the yeah, yeah. And and there's probably the uh, 1969 Apollo 11 lunar escape module is probably still in orbit. Nobody's seen it, but it, it, the calculations say it's going to be kind there. Kind of must be. But then we've got, you know, the Voyager space probes, which have just disappeared out, you know, beyond the edge of our solar system. Well, that, yeah, I mean, they're specifically so sent some, out there. Somebody, you know, could... Yeah. Well, that's the idea. In time, find yeah. them, and they've got their own little messages on them as well, haven't they? I, I, I think a really key thing that you've just mentioned there is that we can't even see that I I escape pod. We sort of know that it must be it must be up there, yeah. but, we, but we but we can't spot it, and yeah. we are next door to the moon. Yeah. So yeah. aliens, they've got hope in hell of seeing it, have they? Like if you imagine, uh, well, like, it what, depends what on their technology, doesn't if it? If they, oh, I guess, yeah. And they also. I'm, I'm just thinking, if we were looking for that kind of uh, debris around a planet, what on earth would we be? 
Like we'd have no hope of spotting it, would we? We probably wouldn't, but it depends how big some of it is. If if you had a civilization that left a load of stuff that was big enough to say reflect starlight, you would mm. see a sort of you know you possibly see the right. the, the reflections right. of it sort of winking at you occasionally or something like that, and then. You, know, you might say there's something there. Let's go and look. And if you had sufficiently good technology, you could go and you know take your starship and and just go and have a look. So you know it's it's not impossible. We might be going on to discuss this, but what about the fact that biological entities, biological life, is quite limiting? And certainly, if you if you think you want to travel anywhere in space like we, we can't really do it what you might be interested in doing though is creating artificial intelligence or the classic sort of downloading yourself so you, you basically become a digital species and then you actually can travel yeah as far as you like yeah because effectively you just turn yourself off yeah and then you know reboot when you're you know like four million years later and you've arrived wherever you're aiming for yeah so you might actually encounter digital life Yes, that's than... true. I mean, yeah, and you kind of hope that maybe that digital life doesn't have the capability to launch an attack on the planet. It also might have. Might have. <laughs> it yeah. might well have. <laughs> it might have. You feel like they're coming prepared. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a quick break now, but in the second half of the show, we'll be discussing the evidence that we may have already found to prove aliens exist, Oumuamua. And as always, Avi Loeb will be answering our question this week, should we fear an alien invasion? 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Welcome back to Eureka with me, Rick Edwards, and my sidekick, Dr. Michael Brooks. <laughs> Not having that. <laughs> you are. <laughs> no, I mean, you actually are. Oh, fine. So we were discussing uh, before the break how to find evidence of alien civilizations and how, if a more advanced civilization does exist out there, they might not even want to talk to us. I mean, that's a thought, isn't it? We, yeah, well, yeah, there's us worrying about it. Maybe they just don't yeah. really care. But that's one of the... Like, when, when people think about why we haven't had any contact with, with aliens, because when you run the numbers, you're like, it seems very, 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 very implausible that yeah. life wouldn't have evolved somewhere else. Yeah. There's so many uh, opportunities and there's been so much time and so on. Um, uh, I really love the idea that either we're just in without realising it, just in an awful, like, backwater <laughs> in, in the universe where aliens are like, well, we're not going to that shit. Uh, or we're just so dumb that we're of no interest. Yeah. Or, this is the physicist whose name I can never remember, but you annoyed, Michio... Michio Kaku. Yeah, yeah. His thing, I really like his his thing about ants in a, you know, quite sophisticated for ants living in yeah. their little anthill next to a motorway, even though they're absolutely they're right next to the to the, to the motorway. The ants have absolutely no comprehension of yeah. human civilization. It's just like it's just operating on a, a totally different plane. And we could be the ants. Yeah. We we you know we, we could be surrounded by aliens right now in alien life and just have no idea. Well it might be that we've just woken up and had an idea because well there's an argument that Avi Loeb makes that we may have seen evidence of an alien civilization in the form of an object that we call Oumuamua. I'll let Avi explain. Oumuamua was the first object discovered near Earth that came from outside the solar system, and it looked very peculiar, unlike any comet or asteroid that we have seen before from within the solar system. It didn't have a cometary tail, uh, it had most likely a flat, uh, pancake-like geometry, and it was pushed away from the sun by reflecting sunlight. And that meant that it must be very thin, sort of like a sail. And nature doesn't produce sails. So potentially Oumuamua is the first uh, evidence for something that was not naturally produced, that came to us from a technological civilization. And we should continue to search um, and, and look for evidence of objects similar to Oumuamua because when I go to the kitchen and I see an ant, I get alarmed. It means that there must be many more out there. And we only surveyed the sky for a few years before we found Oumuamua with the Panstars telescope. So if we continue to survey, we will find more. And of course, the best way to figure out whether they're artificial or natural would be to take a photograph. A picture is worth a thousand words. I got very excited when Oumuamua was It was spotted. pretty huge, wasn't it? Yeah. Quite literally. 
Yeah. How big was it? I think maybe like 800 metres long. So if Avi's wrong, what else could it be? What are the kind of, what are the sceptical possibilities? Well, so people are saying, oh, maybe it's a bit of like hydrogen ice that's broken off something. Okay. Or nitrogen ice is another one. But uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of refutes those arguments by saying there just isn't that concentration of of nitrogen around, for instance, that you mm. could form it into some big shard of ice. Uh, you know, the, the you shape need... is weird, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is weird. Mm. So, I mean, he he sort of, and and then you've got the issue of like the fact that it sort of accelerated out of our solar system. So, and and, and that be- because of the the light that was shining on it, so that makes him think that it could be some kind of light sail. Yeah, because light sails are things that we've talked about in terms yeah. of propelling crafts at, at high speeds. And people say, well, it can't be a sail because it sort of tumbles end over end. You know, mm. when we've seen mm. it, it was sort of mm. tumbling. But you know, if it's a light sail that actually has just like gone rogue, is knackered, yeah, then uh, then maybe you know that's it just happened to be caught and it works very well as a light sail. So there's there's lots of controversy about it. I mean, most people would say, come on, that seems you know too far fetched. Mm. Yeah, but, but, but Avi Avi's a believer. Avi's sort of basically saying you can't... He says you have to consider that it could be alien technology Mm. because that is one of the options. However implausible, that is one of the options. And, I mean, interestingly, so the European Space Agency is sort of scrambling to design a kind of, you know, a mission uh, for getting up there quickly and looking at stuff like this when it comes along because we just happen to spot Oumuamua, you know, and, and we're lucky in that respect. We didn't see it for very long, do we get any gone. decent photos? No. No. Mm. No. And and so you're in a position where you just think, oh, okay, we need to be able to spot this stuff and then go up and have a look at it as fast as possible. Because, yeah. you know, it, it answers or it could potentially answer that big question of are we alone? But Avi's view is, look, this is, you know, potentially a sign of an alien civilization, and that's something we have to sort of take seriously. You know, we might get some useful data out of it if we can spot the next one that comes along. What's the rest of the scientific community saying? That he's mad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them. <laughs> he's drawn a lot of criticism for this. Yeah. Let me let yeah. me say. Yeah, you know, um, I don't mind it. No, I don't mind it at all. I think I think it's all right. But you know, but there isn't the thing is there's not a, like a a stone wall better explanation. No, what? no. Of what that thing? No, was. it remains a mystery. I mean, you can yeah. you can conjecture about it. You can say, oh, you know, maybe it's a big shard of ice mm. made of hydrogen or nitrogen mm. or whatever. But the, you know, we'll never know basically mm. now. So you know, we better be awake when the next one comes along, so we can yeah. have a better idea. But you know, I mean, basically, given how little we know, it sort of makes sense to think about aliens. I think and alien civilizations and the possibility that they'll come along and might not be friendly. We have to be prepared for that, surely. Yeah. It's hard to tell what their intentions are, but let's put it this way. If I were them, I wouldn't be particularly interested in, in, in humans on Earth. Uh, they just came up with, uh, we just came up with our technologies over the past century. You know, we were not that interesting 10,000 years ago. And by the way, it took Oumuamua more than 10,000 years to traverse the solar system. So. Perhaps the reason we haven't heard from anyone is that we ourselves are really um, undeveloped still. And uh, as a result, we don't face a risk of someone coming over, but uh, it might happen one day. And uh, as to the intentions of whoever comes along, 
that is really up for grabs. We, we have no clue. And uh, it's not just a question of what is more common, you know, what kind of intentions are more common among all the civilizations that are out there, but who would be the first to come to us? So if an imperialistic drive brings uh, other civilizations to us, then obviously it's not good news. But if it's scientific exploration, it may be good news. Bit of a risk, then. <laughs> <laughs> and are you guys? Is it imperialistic stuff, or is it more exploratory? <laughs> are the ah, white, are the white coats a good sign yeah. for us, or, <laughs> or are you just the guys running the mortuary? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's probable that we couldn't do a lot about it. I mean, if you look at where we're at at the moment in terms of our ability to, you know, A, motor through space and B, defend ourselves, we, we are sitting ducks because any civilization that's come in and managed to get across, you know, at least 4.25 light years mm. from Proxima Centauri, mm. um, then, you know, they've got some technology that we haven't got. They're outgunning us, maybe It's likely that they've got weapons as well as, like, yeah. transport, isn't it? Yeah. They, they probably didn't forget to, like, develop weapons. And no. so so we're sort of dead if, if they decide that, you know, they want Earth yeah. for its resources or but, something. Yeah. We're sort of done, aren't we? Yeah, we can't defend ourselves. I don't think. Not not against a, a civilization that advanced that would be able to get to us. No. It would be it would be hopeless. So we should fear aliens, really, if they do exist. Well no, no, because unless, you don't know, unless because they're you don't coming know what their like, because yeah. like it's interesting to come and see us. Yeah. Does that seem plausible to you? I mean so what I'm wondering is like you look at our sort of trajectory as humans and you know, I mean, we've been alive for such a short period of yeah. time. But by most measures, although there are obviously loads of wars and stuff going on, maybe we're getting less warmongery. Maybe there are, maybe the, that's you what know, Stephen we, Pinker we, would we say. Kill each other less. Yeah. Th than we were, a healthier population. Maybe if that is the direction of travel, as you advance, you get better at coexisting without just constantly being in sort of warring factions and stuff. So what you're saying is like a, an alien civilization, so alien civilization with that kind might, of technology yeah. probably has solved the problem of aggression. P possibly. 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 Yeah. I like that idea. That's quite optimistic. Mm. In which case, no worries. Yeah. yeah. Send out as many greetings cards as you like. But I mean, it's likely as well, isn't it, that you go through these phases of civilization where you, you know, well, yeah. you destroy yourself. I mean, that's one of the classic sort of problems is that every civilization ends up destroying itself, you know, with technology or without technology. Well, it's not, well, hang on. I mean, it's not, we, that's just pure supposition. We don't know, do we? Okay, right. But, you know, civilizations come and go. And well, then it might be that we, humans yeah, have the technological capability that, oh i suppose we know in, in human terms we know yeah. civilization yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah so i mean and i mean there's people who've even sort of said oh maybe there were civilizations on earth before our civilization but oh yeah that's bollocks isn't it yeah i don't think that's, that's i don't not, think that's true yeah, that's not true no so, we would have found evidence that's the thing like, i think there's, so. there's no evidence yeah unfortunately yeah although although some uh, i've seen the argument that as you get more advanced in your civilization, you realize that you're wreaking havoc on the planet because you need energy to advance your civilization. Mm -hmm. So you get better at not wreaking havoc. So you leave less, less signature. Of a yeah, yeah, less of a footprint. I'm still not really buying it, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I think that the, the 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 big issue with that for me is we we can plot a pretty good path from the very very first signs of life emerging on Earth whenever it was 4.5 billion years ago. 
the right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when it first became multicellular and blah, blah, blah. Um, and there's not really any obvious sort of branching off points where no, suddenly no. A, a civilization would develop and then disappear. Yeah, it wasn't... Yeah, so so I mean, humans sort of evolved about two hundred thousand years ago or so. Two hundred fifty thousand years ago, but obviously we had you know our sort of forebears. But yeah, you know, but there's a, you know, if we're talking like technological civilizations. Oh right, well technological you know, twenty thousand years. Yeah, maybe? it's not it's not been very long at all. But oh, that, no, that, it's that, tool that, use. That tool said, use in the age of the universe, and yeah, you know, so the universe thirteen eight thirteen point eight billion years old, mm. right? So there's been a lot of time for other things to happen elsewhere yeah. in the universe yeah. so we've yeah. just been talking about what's happening on earth which is mm. as we've said a backwater mm. so you know you've got the position where obviously you know you have the big bang you have to cool everything down to the point where life as we know it can operate yeah. so you get down to sort of room temperature in about 15 million years mm. and then uh, you know then you get about 200 million years for gravity to pull clouds of dust together so you create all the infrastructure that you need for life to have somewhere to live yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Earth was born after about 9 billion years. Mm-hmm. So other planets presumably might have been born around the same time. So it's taken a long time, really, for life on Earth to yeah. evolve. And maybe it didn't take so long elsewhere. Well, no, and so, so, so maybe there's other civilizations that are more advanced yeah. that came, you know, maybe came, you know, several billion years before us. And they might have advanced to the point where you know they could just pop up through some kind of teleportation or something. Ah, uh, right. So you're you're saying we could have been visited before, as yeah. opposed to so we to, could have been visited. Like, yeah, yeah. That that to me feels more plausible. Yeah. I don't think it's that. You know, gut instinct says didn't happen, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's certainly more plausible than another civilization developing on Earth. Yeah, and then vanishing. That that feels entirely unlikely to me. So hang on, I think I've I've got confused with my date. So the Earth is four and a half billion years old. No, life is f- no, and life is three point eight. Life is three point eight. Four point five. Four point five is yeah. the age of yeah. the Earth. Okay, so there's yeah. perhaps yeah. I mean, there's a lot of there's <laughs> quite a lot of years before the the planet forming and ending. Yeah, life. yeah. Good but that doesn't mean that it took that long elsewhere. Is the point? No, isn't it? no, no. So you could have had things happening elsewhere mm-hmm. and technological civilizations arriving, yeah. and you know, and and then just visiting Earth, sort of, you know, having a look around. Or oh, like I say, just wiping themselves out. So you get to a certain yeah. point and then gone, and then and then it's just a sort of: Are you lucky enough to overlap with another technological civilization that is vaguely close by? Yeah, and that, and that, I suppose, becomes much less likely, doesn't it? Yeah. What do you think happens when you know if they show up? What would you? What's your uh, sort of best guess about you know? Okay, we've spotted aliens, or they've just so, showed up. As in protocol, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that the governments of the world kind of uh, rapidly. No, no, no. I mean, there's just no. No, no, real, no real protocol at all. Well, hang on, is it not going to be like the SETI guys? So the, the uh, SETI yeah, guys have a protocol. Yeah. Yeah, so, so this the, is a not-for-profit kind of, you know, a little thing uh, in California. Search they, they've, for extraterrestrial intelligence? Yeah, so yeah. They, they've set up a protocol. Uh, the guy who's like the head like for, for welcoming the aliens is Paul Davis, you know, the British physicist oh, yeah. who now works in Arizona, I think. Um <laughs> he's the welcome committee he's, he's basically the guy self-appointed no i think probably appointed from within the you know seti kind of but that's it, it's effectively self-appointed it's a committee <laughs> it's a committee of sort of you know western like 
you know, Western minds. So there's no like Asian representation, I don't think at all Amazing. on this. Amazing. So it's literally like SETI have said, right, well, we'll, we'll handle this. I mean, they probably, you know, have been watching maybe, you know, certain films and just sort of decided that somebody needs to be in control of this. But I don't think there's a UN protocol. There's, there's no sort of, and to be honest, the Chinese have just, you know, they've got the biggest telescope in the world. So they're most likely to see um, the Chinese kind of have thing. probably got some some plans in place, I reckon. Yeah, but do you think they include us? Well, given that, we, given that we haven't included no, them, no. Uh, no. <laughs> I think the aliens are going to arrive and like, these guys don't get along at all. Nobody's got a clue what to do. But Paul Davis actually thinks that nobody will care when aliens arrive. So he thinks people are just like, oh, you know, just get on with their lives. It, it won't end like civilization as we know it. People will just uh, sort of that, shrug. That, I mean, it entirely depends what the aliens want from us. <laughs> I, I mean, if it's a war of the worlds kind of situation, yeah. then obviously, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think some people are sitting up and paying some, yeah, some yeah. attention. No, no, I, I get that. But, you know, it, you'd think we'd sort of work all this stuff out, but we haven't really done that yet. So, you know, so, I mean, there is the question of, are they out there? There's the question of, if they turn up, what do they want? Which sort of makes, makes you say, should mm. we fear the aliens? I mean, that's our, our whole point. And yeah. from everything I understand... I mean, also, it just seems so implausible that they will find us. I mean, it's just such a small amount of civilizations that could be out there. Mm. You know, when you do the maths and you work it all out, you sort of feel like, you know what, there's, there's not a lot. So if, when you run the numbers and you look at the sort of Drake equations kind of thing, like, you know, how often will a civilization arise? How will it, you know, how will it mm-hmm. be? Mm-hmm. How long will it last? That kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we sort of reckon there's maybe nearly 11 billion civilizations intelligent civilizations in the universe in the whole universe that's, that's quite a lot yeah that's quite a lot and maybe more than seventy thousand intelligent communicating civilizations in our galaxy alone so my Crowded. initial yeah so my initial feeling is like oh that's never going to happen there's not going to be anyone there but actually when you run the numbers it becomes like a question that maybe you do need to ask yourself yeah it's like are we ready As I, I mean so my my thing is as those numbers heavily suggest, of course there is other intelligent life out there. So then you get to, okay, it's out there. Are they going to come looking for us? Very hard to say, but given the level of advancement they might reach... And we would if we them, could, wouldn't we? We, we? we would, yeah. I think there's a... And who knows if this is a, if it's a human thing or an Earth thing, but we definitely have the curiosity that would take us yeah. out to go looking. Yeah. So you suspect that that would be shared by any life. Yeah. You don't really know. And if you're looking and if you're very advanced, I don't know what the chances of you, you finding us or wanting to come are, but they're, they're non-zero, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. And if you're yeah. anywhere in our neighbourhood, you'll start to see signs of, yeah. You, know, you might come across Voyager or something like that out there. Yeah. And you think, oh, look at the trajectory of that. Let's just follow yeah. that back and see what we'll find. I'm curious to know why the lady doesn't have genitals, but the man does. <laughs> Let's go and find out. Um, I think it then it, it, this this whole question should we fear an alien invasion just hinges on what do we think their intention will be. That's it. I, I don't think there's a question over whether there actually are aliens. I don't think there's a question over whether they would be able to find us. It's just what what do they want? Okay, and so I'm hoping, like I say, that you get to a level where you've just lost all the aggro. And they're quite friendly, and maybe we don't even know about it. Um, that's what I'm sticking with. I'm sticking with okay. it. It's going to be okay. So your answer to the big question really is no, no. no. I, I think if they nothing do, to worry um, about, they're going to be benign. Okay. Yeah. My answer is I think if they're going to make the effort, 
they're probably going to be after something. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole, you know, ant versus human thing, I mean, I feel no, nothing towards ants, you know. I sort of look at them interestedly, but if I want to kill them, I will kill them. And, and, yeah, see, I won't actually. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay, that, Would that's Would you pour good. hot water on? No, ants? that's horrible. I don't know. Do I don't kill ants. What am I talking about? I don't kill ants, but I, I might have done in the past. Uh, okay. And But there's that sort of sense of if there's a problem... You know, if I'm digging new foundations for an extension or something, I'm not going to say, well, we can't do that because there's an ant's nest there. No, 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 no. Me neither, actually. <laughs> so, you know, so if we have a, a purpose, then we'll just sort of railroad over that mm. thing. And I think that would be the situation we're in because we're puny. We're not advanced. We are really not very impressive civilization and i think if they decided you know that they actually wanted to just take over earth and and we had some you know resource that they wanted i think they would take it from us without thinking twice and so i think yes we probably should fear aliens but there's nothing we can do i mean we're sitting ducks yeah yeah absolutely defenseless all right so the main question of the episode is should we fear an alien invasion let's get an answer from the big man avi Loeb. One thing I've learned from decades of working on research in astronomy is a sense of modesty. The universe is so much bigger than we are. I mean, there are more planets like the Earth in the observable volume of the universe than there are grains of sand on all beaches on Earth. We live for such a short time relative to the age of the universe, one part in a hundred million or less than that. And uh, we also, our our knowledge is so limited. Uh, It's an island in an ocean of ignorance. And so we should be modest. That's my fundamental premise. We should learn about aliens before we decide whether to fear from them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a bit of a cop-out. I feel that's a cop-out. But he's right. I mean, he's basically saying, well, there's no way of knowing whether we should fear them yet. But surely the precautionary principle says, oh, maybe we should actually do something to defend ourselves, prepare ourselves in some way. Ah, but there is nothing we can do. I, I firmly believe there's nothing we can do. So we're just going to cross our fingers and just hope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What else are you going to do? Should we fear aliens? Well, what's the yes, point? but what's, what's the, the point? point? What's the point? If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. <laughs> and on that optimistic note, I think we'll end. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a classic case of fingers crossed. <laughs> Eureka is a stack production presented by me, Rick Edwards, and Dr. Michael Brooks. The production team is Andrea Lucia Peters, Luke Moore, and Charlie Morgan. Sound designed by Katie Baxter. Special thanks to today's expert, Professor Avi Loeb, the... Brooksy. Oh, don't make me do that again. Go on. The Frank B. Baird Jr. Professor of Science at Harvard University. You just do it so well. Uh, if you like the show, please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. It does make a big difference. You can also find us on Twitter at EurekaPod. Thank you so much for listening to that. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Mm. Um, Pete, if, I'd, I'd really have to ask you this because it's the only chance we're going to get to do so because normally you just flat back this kind of question away. Yeah. If we are visited by aliens... What do you think? Will they be friendly to us? <laughs> Will they be angry? Will, Will they, they be, be friendly? Rich? <laughs>
<laughs> I've told you before, I don't want to talk about aliens, but luckily, Rick and Michael do. So if you want to hear all about that and a whole lot more from the world of science, uh, make sure you search for Eureka. That's Eureka with a, uh, what do you call those things? <laughs> Jesus Christ. An exclamation mark. <laughs> An exclamation mark. Don't think you need to put that in. Just type in the word Eureka. Eureka. Find it. On your podcast app. There are plenty more episodes for you to enjoy uh, up there, and there are new shows appearing every single Wednesday. So hit subscribe to ensure you never miss an episode. In the meantime, we'll see you for another edition of the Luke and Pete Show very, very soon. Ta-ta, bye-bye. Bye. I'm an alien. What? Nothing. Eureka is a Stack Production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.